Good morning. It's great to be here with you today. My name is Dan Wolf. I'm the associate pastor here, and it's a privilege to be able to preach. Let's pray now together. Good shepherd of our souls, I pray that you would give us ears to hear your voice and give us courage to follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I've listened to people in the last month and a, or month and a half describe how they're doing, they've shared things like this. I feel like I'm in a fog. I feel like I'm in a funk. Somebody recently told me that they feel upside down and disoriented. Another person shared that they have this sense of sadness, but they're really not sure exactly what that sadness is connected to. So underneath the surface... How are you doing? What's the state of your soul, of your mind? David Brooks, an op-ed columnist for the New York Times, asked his readers to, to write him and tell him about how they're faring in this hard time. And he's gotten over 5,000 replies. And while many people are hanging in there, he said what he described as, there is a river of woe running through the world. A college student wrote in from uh, State College, Pennsylvania, saying, at first the lockdown seemed like a lark, a chance to get out of all the obligations that he had on his life. But now, almost a month into staying here, I've been gripped by a deep depression. My future, which seemed so bright a few months ago, as I anticipated graduating in May, now seems bleak and hopeless. How will I find a job with the economy taking? How will I pay for hundreds of dollars a month when my loan bills kick in during August? A woman, a woman from Fresno wrote, I'm normally a very positive person, outgoing, happy, energetic, definitely a glass half full. However, lately I cannot get through the day without tears, often sobs. All the things I love to do, I'm now afraid to do. Another person very uh, poignantly said that there's no way to distract yourself from unhappiness now. Indeed, you're hogtied to your unhappiness. A woman from Pennsylvania described that fog when she said, anxiety leaves her feeling mentally drained, more irritable, and unable to focus. An atheist even wrote in and said that he prays daily, but he doesn't know who he prays to. So in the middle of the fog, the question I think we need to be asking is, is God trying to speak to us through the fog? And if so, what is he saying to you? This sermon is going to be focusing on Jesus' teaching in John 10. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get them out. John 10, where Jesus is talking about the Good Shepherd. And I don't want this just to be a sermon. I actually want to give you some tools that can serve as a spiritual exercise for you later in this service, as well as throughout the rest of this week, a listening ex exercise. And we're going to be focusing on two questions. What kind of shepherd is Jesus? And how do we hear his voice? John 10, 2 through 3 opens with this. He says this, that he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And then later in John 10 verse 11, he identifies who the shepherd is when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And his Jewish listeners at the time would immediately bring to mind Psalm 23, 
where we see the Lord as our shepherd. And so Jesus is telling us that he wants to shepherd us. So what kind of shepherd is he wanting to be for us is the first question I want to ask. And a pastor friend of mine asked me this question recently that really struck me. He, he said, I think you should start praying this prayer. Jesus, who do you want to be for me right now? And so what I've started to do is set an alarm at various times throughout the day in the middle of when I'm working on something or worrying about something or parenting my kids. And the alarm will go off and on the alarm it'll pop up and say, and I'll ask this question, Jesus, who do you want to be for me right now? And even if you're here because somebody sent you a link and you're not sure if you really believe in Jesus or you're not sure what type of relationship you have with God, oftentimes our hearts are calling out to him like that atheist. A friend of ours recently who isn't a Christian was sharing with us that they were so overwhelmed that in the shower the other day they found themselves praying and they were like, you know, it can't hurt anything. And so even if you're not sure you believe in Jesus, ask him that question. Jesus, who do you want to be for me right now? And see what he might share with you. And so I want to look at a few of the things from this passage that Jesus offers to be for us at all times, but especially in hard times like this. So some of us are worrying about our finances. Some have been furloughed in their work. Some have lost their jobs. Some are wondering, what's the financial future of our country going to be? And what Jesus has promised as our shepherd provider is this, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. God promises his sheep he is going to provide for them, that they will not be in want. And so do you need Jesus to be your shepherd provider? Now, some of us are struggling with feeling kind of directionless, listless, or feeling some fear about the future. And Psalm 23 says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and it does seem like we as the whole world are all walking through this valley. The psalmist says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And so God doesn't just promise to provide for us, but he promises his very presence to us. And he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so there's two things that shepherds would carry in the ancient Near East. They would carry a rod and they would carry a staff. And they both had different purposes. The first we're going to look at is the rod. The rod was the means through which the shepherd would direct the sheep. And so it was a short rod about this long, and it was their means of you know, tapping the shepherd if they wanted to go, tapping the sheep if they wanted the sheep to go that way. Or if the sheep was heading towards something they didn't want, they would prod them another direction. And so if you're feeling listless and directionless, God wants to provide direction for you. And a lot of times we think, okay, well, God has a plan for the world. We know that. He's going to work some sort of good through this coronavirus. But what about me? And this passage tells us this. That the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, the shepherd goes before them. So what he's saying is, and he's changing our picture here than what we're usually used to. 
if you were to watch a shepherd on TV or on, in a movie or see a picture of a shepherd in the 21st century, the way that they lead their sheep is by driving them and they use dogs to help drive them so they lead from behind. But in the ancient Near East, they would lead from ahead. The shepherd would walk before the sheep. And so what Jesus is telling us is that he's gone before us. And no one knows what the future holds right now. Everybody's just guessing what the future holds. But the good shepherd is saying, I know what the future holds. The future is in my hands. Trust me. Listen to me for direction. And he goes on to say that the shepherd knows his sheep by name. And in the ancient Near East, the the shepherds would oftentimes, they were known for having peculiar ways that they would call their sheep, tones of voice and little things that they would say. But this shepherd goes beyond that. He knows every single sheep's name. And what God is saying to you is he knows your name. He knows your circumstances. He's with you moment by moment, day by day. And he wants to direct and guide you day by day. A couple weeks ago, I was asking God, okay, you know, I was just feeling overwhelmed with the number of things that I have to do and what order do I do them in? And he was just saying, Dan, do what I've given you today. Just, give, just do what I've given you today. And so, go to your shepherd at the beginning of each day if you're feeling directionless and say, God, show me what I'm supposed to do today. You know my name. You know my story. Then that's the rod that directs us, the shepherd director. But then there's also the staff. And the staff was much bigger. And that was meant to protect the sheep. Jesus in John 10, 11 says this, that I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so God is willing to go so far as to lay down his life for us on the cross for his sheep to protect us, to take the wolf for us. But that's not actually the most powerful part of this passage. It goes on in verse 17 of John 10 and says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. Now listen to this. He says, No one takes it from me, but I lay my life down on my own accord. I have authority to lay my life down, and I have authority to take my life up again. See, the shepherd that usually comes to mind is the Son of God enfleshed as a man that laid down his life for us on the cross. But what Jesus is alluding to is his divine risen and reigning authority over life and death as our shepherd protector. That he has authority over all things, the entire universe. And so the picture that comes to mind of just Jesus leading his sheep, willing to lay down his life, isn't enough. It's not a big enough picture for who our protector is. And God shows John, who wrote this passage about the good shepherd, the divine glory of the shepherd later in Revelation towards the end of John's life. Whereas I'm sure John is shut up on the island of Patmos wondering what's going to happen to the church in this time of persecution. And Jesus gives him a vision of who he will be as the good shepherd. He says, Then I turned, this is Revelation 1, 12-17, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. You see, he recognized the voice. And on turning, he said, I saw seven golden lampstands. 
And what that means is he's talking about that's a symbolism for the church. That he saw seven lampstands and in the middle of the church, those lampstands, he saw one like the son of man clothed with a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. And this is Jesus. Now listen to this description. Is this the picture that comes to mind for you of your shepherd? It says, the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow, which portrays his infinite and eternal wisdom. And it says his eyes were like flames of fire, which is able to see to the core of who we are. And his feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And that's speaking about his power to tread under feet all the enemies. And then it says this, his voice was like a a roaring of many waters. And in his right hand he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, which is his word of truth. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Our shepherd protector is strong. And you need not fear. If we saw him in his full glory, we would do what John did. It says, John said, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But then he came and he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, for I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, I laid down my life, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. That's our shepherd protector. He carries a very big staff. And so even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil because he is with us. He wants to be our provider, director, protector, and so much more if we'll let him. So ask him this question this week. Jesus, who do you want to be for me right now? So then practically how do we hear from him? In verse 4 of John 10 it says this, The shepherds follow him for they know his voice. I'm sorry, the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Uh, God's sheep recognize his voice. So how do we hear from him? And I want to share three ways that God speaks through us. First off is he speaks through silence. So the first way that you can come to him this week is come to him and try to pare back some of the distractions in your life. Carve out some undistracted time to be with him. Put your phone away, turn Netflix off. And try to just be with him. The second way is he speaks through the scriptures. So come to him in his word. This Bible is God's primary means to speak through us. Through which the shepherd whispers his grace and love over us. And twice in the past two weeks, I came to God with some things that I was wrestling with. And twice he led me to where I needed to go and spoke what I needed to hear through his word. He speaks through this word. So make some time and silence to sit with him under his scripture. And maybe you're thinking, I've got young kids. Or my mind is just going a thousand miles an hour. And I don't think I can get silent. I don't know if I can cut away distractions. Well, the last place is God speaks through us, not only through scripture and through silence, but also through suffering. That you can come to him with your pain right where you are. If you read through the Psalms, you'll notice Over half of them start with David and the psalmist bringing to God something that he's wrestling with, something that he's struggling, some doubt that he's having, some issue that he's going through. 
And as C.S. Lewis famously says, pain is God's megaphone. That when we come to him with his pain, any sheep that comes to Jesus, hurting, wounded, confused, scared, Jesus will meet them there and speak to them. So bring whatever it is to him. So let him speak to you through silence, through scripture, and through suffering this week. But don't just hear his voice, follow him. That's what it says, the sheep follow him for they know his voice. And I have been part of a discipleship group for the last few months. And at the end of every time, we ask these two questions. What did we hear God say? And what are we going to do about it? And so hear what he says, but also choose to do something this week about it. And imagine if, in the midst of this fog that's over our world, imagine if we, God's people, his sheep, start to hear his voice. Imagine the impact that it could have on our own well-being. But not only for us, but for our families, for our friends, for our coworkers, for our neighbors. If we became a people that listened to God's voice and followed after him. And so Jim is now going to come back up and lead us in a sermon response song. And we're going to listen to God. That's what this time is going to be about as he sings the song over us. It's going to be a chance for you to have three to four minutes just to listen to God. But I encourage you, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you two questions to ask during this time. But don't just let this be the end of your time of listening. Carve out some time this week to continue to listen to our Good Shepherd. So these two questions are what I want you to ask, and I'm going to close this in prayer. Ask Jesus this. Jesus, who do you want to be for me right now? And what are you trying to say to me, and what should I do about it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that your voice would come through the fog. You would speak to us and call us by name. Lord, let us hear you and follow you. Amen.